My name is Luna Avedia, and I'm a 16-year-old. I'm fighting for all those around the world who are affected by climate change. This is my story. I often say this, and I'm going to say it again. Youth have the strongest voice in this fight. We're the ones with passion, the ones with the ability to view the world with hope. And so no one is ever too young to be a leader, to raise their voices and make a difference. Hey, I'm Danny Washington, and welcome to The Genius Generation, the podcast about young people who are changing our world in big ways. On this week's show, my guest is 16-year-old Luna Abadia, who founded her own environmental organization called the Effective Climate Action Project, or ECAP for short. Luna was inspired to create ECAP when she realized how many climate movements focus on actions we can take as individuals. While individual actions are important, Luna wanted people to understand that we need bigger systemic solutions to create the scale of change needed to tackle a problem this big. Luna, welcome to the show. Thank you. So nice to meet you. It's great to meet you too. We're really excited that you were able to make time to be with us today. So you're doing some important work related to climate change, this big topic that I think a lot of people grapple with understanding, like how complex and interconnected it is and how it impacts every single human being on the planet. So tell me about the Effective Climate Action Project. What is it and what's the problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah, thank you. That's so true. Climate change is a really complex issue and sometimes it's hard to know where to start. But our organization, the Effective Climate Action Project, is focusing on promoting effective and systemic solutions to climate change. So we're a youth-run organization that focuses on tackling this issue of climate change by engaging youth leadership and running interactive workshops that we call climate simulations. Cool. So is it youth that are participating in these workshops? They can actually be participated by anyone. So our participants can be anyone from middle school students to adults or climate change experts. What are the different ways that ECAP tackles the problem of climate change? ECAP hopes to tackle specifically the lack of awareness on systemic solutions to climate change. We often hear about solutions to climate change like planting more trees or taking shorter showers or avoiding plastic straws. And while these solutions are helpful, what we truly need is things like environmental policy and education. So ECAP has three core initiatives, and that's running these interactive climate simulations, doing online advocacy work, and local policy work. So we're currently supporting three different environmental bills in Oregon. Wow. So you're already involved in policy change. You're interacting with folks who want to participate and learn about climate science in a fun, interactive way. The workshops that you mentioned, is it like a game? Yes, exactly. One of them, the World Climate Simulation Game, is similar to Model UN, if you've experienced that before, where you get into groups representing different nations around the world and work together to create a plan to stop climate change. So kind of like acting like a global leader or a leader of a nation and making big decisions for the people who live in your country. Exactly. Yeah, we think it's really empowering to be able to step into that role of a negotiator and make those decisions yourself because everyone has the ability to think of solutions and think of ideas. And then the best part of it is using this computer model called En-ROADS. And using that model, participants can see how their policies would actually impact climate change. So we try to aim towards two degrees Celsius. Two degrees Celsius is the target that was created by the Paris Climate Agreement. 
The Paris Climate Agreement decided on trying to limit global warming to below two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. That can be a big mouthful, but what it really means is stopping our CO2 emissions so that we don't keep heating up our world to a dangerous level. So let's revert back a little bit, maybe a few years, to think about when you first had an interest in science. I think my interest for science began probably back in sixth grade. I was in my first science class. I hadn't had a science class until then, and it was a biology class. We were looking at cells under the microscope, and it really fascinated me how science allows us to connect with and understand this complex world around us, from the smallest organisms to the largest galaxies. And so from that point on, I actually kept a notebook called my book of questions. And I wrote questions that I had about the world around me. I had things like how are clouds formed and what happens when we cough? All these, you know, curiosities that have rised in my daily life. But I would definitely say that as a girl, I always felt a little bit like science was out of my realm. And I know there's been a movement for girls in STEM recently, but I definitely believe that we can do better to let girls feel welcome in this space. For me, it took consciously deciding to utilize science in this passion project, ECAP, for my confidence in science to build. Wow, your book of questions. That is such a great idea. <laughs> I wish I did that as a kid. That, that's awesome. Have you answered a lot of the questions that you asked yourself back in sixth grade? I would say a lot of them, yeah. Sometimes I would research them. Sometimes I would just keep them there. But it's more about the act of being curious and, and connecting with that, that part of yourself that just wants to know more. It's not necessarily finding the answer that I think is important. Absolutely. That's how a scientist thinks. It's all about curiosity and asking as many questions as possible. Also, to your point about girls and women in science and STEM fields, I couldn't agree more. We still have so much more work to do to make sure that no matter what gender a person identifies as, that they feel included and that science mm -hmm. is for everyone. Yeah, definitely. So what attracted you initially to climate change as a focus? The moment in which I most realized the impact of climate change was when I was studying abroad in Japan. So during my sophomore year of high school, I was a Rotary Youth Exchange ambassador, and I lived in Ehime, Japan for a year. During that time, I really saw the impacts of climate change firsthand. Increased typhoons, people tell me that there's no snow in the winter anymore, and that they're having difficulty growing traditional crops. And so I think having this personal experience opened my eyes up to the fact that these issues and impacts of climate change are global and that our solutions need to be so as well. That's rad. You lived in Japan for a year? <laughs> so cool. <laughs> do you speak Japanese? I do. I've been learning Japanese for about four years, self-study, because unfortunately there wasn't a Japanese class in my school, but I've been working hard and I hope to continue building my fluency in the future. Do you speak other languages? Spanish. My dad is from Colombia, so I grew up speaking Spanish at home. Nice. So you're currently you are trilingual. Yes, that, that's right. <laughs> cool. All right, so let's get back to ECAP. Tell me the origin story. What initially inspired the idea for the actual organization? And was there a particular moment that you remember sparking that idea? Yeah, so when I was studying abroad in Japan, I entered a speech contest and I wrote about the importance of taking action on climate change. So with that speech, I ended up actually winning the regional and prefectural levels of the, the contest and becoming a national finalist. 
And that amazing experience taught me that I think anyone can make a difference with their words and with their passion and that I can make a difference for the climate too. So when I ended up returning from Japan due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I found myself wishing that just like I had in Japan, others would gain this awareness of our global interconnectedness and, and how important these global issues like climate change are. So that inspired me to then create ECAP. So did you have any setbacks or roadblocks that kind of were a bit hard to, to deal with at first, but then you found a solution? A personal challenge that I've faced is learning as both the founder and executive director of this project, how I can best motivate others to become leaders themselves. I think we often have this idea about leadership as being the one in charge or being the one to own it all, but it's not what it's really about. Leadership is about making sure everyone can feel like they can contribute and everyone feels like a leader in their own role. So learning how to make others feel that way has been a challenging, but also really valuable lesson that I've had to learn through this. That's a beautiful statement. I always revert back to this idea of leadership being a person or individual who's willing to be that motivator, who's standing next to the folks who are doing the heavy lifting sometimes and being able to find the vision so that everyone can work toward one common goal. And that's definitely the same idea that we have to apply to resolving climate change. We have no choice. We're all in this together. Definitely, yeah. So did you have a breakthrough or aha moment? And how did it feel? Oh gosh, yeah. There's been so many of those moments throughout this experience. But I would say that the most impactful moment was when we were running our first workshop. So that was a world climate simulation game. And we were running it for a group of about 20 students. I was nervous, but excited. And in this workshop, people were mentioning how they felt more hopeful and motivated to take action. And I was like, yes, that's our goal. Climate change is a really scary issue. And so without having that hope, sometimes we close up and don't know where to start or don't even know if we want to engage in the issue. But also we need that motivation to take action. And hope often drives that motivation, but we need that action to, to come from somewhere. So in our workshops, after running them, when people are still feeling like there's something I can do to change this, we then th give them a list of ways they can specifically take action and continue to drive that hope, that sense of hope into their future actions. That's fantastic. How does it feel to see that impact? It's definitely inspiring and motivating. One story that I, I love to think about is there was this girl that joined our organization and she came in not knowing much about science at all or the computer model. It seemed daunting and she was scared of public speaking. But after going through our training program where we train youth to facilitate our workshops, she began leading these workshops for different groups and she learned how to use this model and read the science and then realized that she had a great passion for climate change as well. So we love seeing people like that, that truly take these tools and then create their own vision out of it. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the last few years, we've seen different youth climate leaders pop up on the scene, folks like Greta Thunberg or Shie Bastida, who are really vocal activists who've been in front of the camera and yourself as well. But what about the young people who are just getting started? How do they jump into this movement? Well, you know, we, we really have this great tool of the internet at our disposal. And so I would honestly encourage everyone to 
Start researching, find the local climate organizations that are near you and try to get involved. It can be as simple as sending an email to just make that first step into your own personal climate journey. I often say this, and I'm going to say it again, youth have the strongest voice in this fight. We're the ones with passion, the ones with the ability to view the world with hope. And so no one is ever too young to be a leader, to tackle climate change, to raise their voices and make a difference. If everyone is able to find something, whether that's climate change or girls' rights or racism or education, if everyone was able to care about making positive change and of course had the resources to pursue such passions, I believe our world would be in a much better place. I love that. Luna, you're incredible. I'm super excited about everything that you're working on and you still have so much road ahead of you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Genius Generation. If you want to learn more about Luna's organization and check out that awesome computer model she talked about, well, go to her website, effectiveclimateaction.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and subscribe. The Genius Generation is a podcast created by Seeker and Trax. The show is hosted by me, Danny Washington. Emily Feld and Evan Hall are our producers. Caroline Roth, Brian Simigala, and Matt Morales are our Seeker producers. Our editor and sound designer is John Pappas. Our executive producers are Brett Kushner, Michelle Smalley, and Brian Pendergast. Our PA is Navani Otero. Thanks for listening. Funding for the Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. How do we create change that lasts? True transformation happens by changing the system, not just the situation. It's a bit like the difference between saving a tree and creating a new sustainable way of doing forestry. Ashoka is a global community of thousands of changemakers who are committed to making systemic change and empowering others to do the same. We get it. Changing systems sounds intimidating, but there's nothing to fear. Join Ashoka for a three-part learning journey to uncover issues you care about, identify the root causes, and start building a solution. Learn more by visiting changemaking.net or check out the link in the show notes. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Tracks from PRX.